I invite you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. The book of Hebrews is in the New Testament, coming right after Thessalonians and First and Second Timothy. Um, Hebrews, right before the book of James. It's the entirety of Hebrews 11 that is our, our guide today, but we're going to start out just with verses 1 through 3. As we continue our uh, Reach Out sermon series, you know that one uh, piece of this is last week we were talking about stewardship, and stewardship as the recognition that everything we have in talent and time and treasure None of it really is ours. Our talent, our time, and our treasure is all given to us by God, and it's ours to steward well for a time. We don't take any of it with us, but our talent, time, and treasure is to be stewarded while we are here on this earth. That was last week with stewardship. Now this week, we turn towards faith, and really the question of what is the substance of our faith, and how do we refresh our faith? How do we make forward pathways in faith. And Hebrews 11 is often called the faith chapter, so there's no better place to turn than Hebrews 11 this morning. But before we turn to God's word, let's pray together. God, you have shown your faithfulness to us from the beginning, when you created the sun, the moon, the stars, and the earth that we walk on. Lord, you have shown your faithfulness to us, by speaking to those who have gone before us, by being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Lord, you showed your faithfulness by sending the prophets to correct and lead your people. You sent kings to rule, both good and bad, and prophets to correct. Lord, the peak of your faithfulness, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world, faithful even to point of death on a cross. And you continued your faithfulness, if that were not enough, by sending your Holy Spirit to continue to be our guide and advocate. Lord, you are faithful in the giving of your word and in the sending of your Holy Spirit that the word may make sense to us, that it may connect to us. And this is the faithful miracle of the Holy Spirit at work daily. So we pray that you send your Holy Spirit fresh upon us that the words that we read and hear may be understood in our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit's leading and guiding. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That can sound like a very optimistic passage, but I don't think we get to start there this morning. In fact, my question for you right now, in this moment of time, 
is what is it that is giving you the most stress and anxiety? What is it that's going on in your life that has you the most drained emotionally, the most stressed out? What are the things that you're losing sleep over or frustrated by or you don't know what to do next? You don't know how to move forward. Think about what that might be. Oh, for some of us, that's easy. We can think of it right away. We know what it is that's on our heart and mind that simply will not go away, the thing that is consuming our thoughts. But maybe for some of us, that we're not really sure. Everything seems pretty good. We don't feel particularly upset or anxious or distracted. With that in mind, I want to invite us into 30 seconds of silence. Just 30 seconds. Not a very long time. I want you to simply offer that time to God that you can be centered on who God is and what God might be speaking to you right now. So we're going to take 30 seconds to focus on God. And those 30 seconds begin now. Time's up. 30 seconds is not that long. And yet I think for some of us here today, it felt like an eternity. My question is, in those 30 seconds, where did your mind go? Even as you try to focus on God for just 30 seconds, what other thoughts creep into your mind? What distractions? And maybe it's, Did I have everything ready for dinner that I need? Did I pay the bill that I needed to? When we have just a moment of silence, when everything is still, it is in those times where we try to focus on God, the thoughts that come into our minds, the distractions that come around us, are probably the biggest sources of stress and anxiety for us because it's where our mind goes. It's the things that are distracting us, It's the things that take up all of our thoughts when there's a still moment. We're going to continue to invite you to pray every day at 516, both a.m. or p.m. I've taken mostly p.m. this week. At 516 p.m., in reference to our theme verse for the Reach Out campaign, let your light shine before others, Matthew 516, every day at 516 to take one minute of prayer. And I wonder, if we surveyed everyone in the room, which we're not going to do, I wonder, for all of us, when we try to take that one minute of prayer, what happens? Sometimes maybe it's easy, and we take that one minute, and we are centered in prayer, and we can offer our prayers before God. But I suspect that maybe just for a few of us here, we get distracted even in that one minute that there are other things that are calling for our time and attention, and some of those are downright stressful. We face trials and distractions and frustrations, and sometimes we don't know what the next step is. And when we don't know what to do next, we get stuck. 
And we know that maybe some people would tell us, well, just have faith. But there are times in our lives that I think any mature Christian can tell you of a time when they experienced great doubt. And the concept of just have faith just wasn't working. There was no way that you could try hard enough to bolster your faith. It just didn't make sense. Those moments where those words seem broken, those optimistic words in our text of faith and hope and assurance and confidence, when those words just don't work because we're stuck. We get a little bit nervous about saying that those words don't work in terms of faith. But consider other ways in which we use these words all the time and we say they just don't work. Maybe it's, I have lost faith in our political system. Or, I have lost hope that they're going to find a cure. Or, I have no assurance that this is going to get any better. Or maybe, I have lost all confidence in myself. Faith and hope and assurance and confidence are things that sometimes we lose sight of. Part of that's our human nature. Because what we want deep down is step-by-step instructions. Because we live in a world not of maps as much as we live in a world of GPSs. Now, do you remember when, when Garmin GPSs were like the thing? I got Christmas lists, Pastor Roger. I got one for Christmas one year. And then I learned later that part of the motive was my parents knew that GPSs tracked your maximum speed that you had traveled. And they didn't tell me this when they gave it to me. But then one day I was driving with my dad and he flipped to another screen I had never seen before and could know what the, what the record land speed travel that I had achieved was. I, I had no idea because they didn't tell me. They just gave me the garment. They didn't give me the instructions. Otherwise, I would have known. Sneaky parents. But we like GPSs because a GPS will give you step-by-step instructions. It will tell you, in one mile, turn left. And then it will remind you again, in 400 feet, turn right. And there is something in our lives of uncertainty and of all the unknowns and the stresses and the anxieties that what we really crave is just step-by-step instructions. I grew up in a day before GPSs, and there was stress when my parents had to navigate together. We've maybe seen this before. You're supposed to turn there. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I didn't. You know, those arguments become very, very heated very fast. And isn't it nicer when we have something else we can blame instead? You just say, oh, the stupid GPS didn't tell me soon enough. Well, they're remarkably consistent. Now the GPSs are on our phones. Most of us are never without maps of some kind, which I have to admit I find kind of helpful occasionally. The Ritter team knows this well. I, I got lost twice in two days headed to the same spot. But that's a different story. But I like GPSs because when I'm stuck, when I, I know I missed a turn, but I'm not sure where it was, I can just flip the GPS on and it will give me step-by-step instructions. And we want that in life. We want to just know what the next step is, when we're going to turn, when we go straight, and occasionally when we have to turn around, which in Michigan simply means making a left turn. 
But God doesn't always give us the step-by-step that we want. There is no chapter and verse in the Bible that will tell you the name of the person that you are supposed to marry and when would be the best time to do that. There is no appendix in Scripture that tells you if you graduate high school in 2017 and you live in North America, you should apply for this job or go to this college. There is no index in Scripture that tells you how many square footage, how many square feet we need for the building project or what functions we need to pay attention to. Now, Scripture is our, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, but it doesn't always give us the specifics that we want. Who do we marry? Where do we go? What job do we apply to? Is it time to change my jobs? The immediate step-by-steps that are personal for us, we don't get those in the step-by-step form that we like. And that's where we get stuck. Because here we stand, and we need to keep moving forward, but we don't know which direction. Hebrews chapter 11 is the greatest source of faith, but not because it gives us the step-by-step in front of us. It does give leading and guidance and encouragement, especially Hebrews 12, that reminds us that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, so we throw off everything that hinders and run the race that is set out for us. But Hebrews 11 is the starting point. And it reminds us that if we're trying to figure out how to reach out to move forward, the first thing we need to do is look behind us. When we're trying to reach out to go forward, we first need to take a moment and look behind us. Because faith, the foundation of faith, the substance of faith, is God's faithfulness. And so maybe we're frustrated spiritually sometimes that we don't know, and it doesn't seem like God is telling us when to turn or where to go. But Scripture teaches us, by Hebrews 11 as an example, that when we turn around and look back over the ways in which God has been faithful, that there should be no doubt in our mind that God will continue to be faithful. The people that this letter was written to were facing struggles and trials, and they had doubts and questions. And the author of Hebrews tells them to first look back over God's faithfulness to know how to look forward. Maybe we don't know which way we're supposed to turn in 400 feet. But if we look over the history of God's faithfulness, not only in our lives, but in the history of creation... God whispers to us and says, Look how far I have been with you. Do you have any doubt that I won't be with you in the next 400 feet? I have been with you. Therefore, I will be with you. Maybe we don't get the step-by-step instructions that we wanted because deep down we want confirmation more than this call to live in faith to have to trust that God's past faithfulness will be a sign, an indicator that God will continue to be faithful. So we don't get exactly what we want, but we get more than we need. Consider the chapter in Hebrews 11, starting with Abel, who lived by faith, Enoch, Abraham, a lot about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. 
In verse 22, we go to, to Joseph and everything that led to Egypt and the Exodus. Because verse 23 is about Moses. Going down to verse 29, we're told, By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. And if that were not enough of a sign of God's faithfulness, it was not long after that that the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Boom. And in the midst of that, Rahab was spared because she welcomed the spies. And then my favorite part of the chapter is actually verse 32. Because so far the author has been going to great lengths to describe each episode. And then he gets to the point of history of the judges and says in verse 32, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. And goes on to just briefly outline all of the ways in which God was faithful then too. The author of Hebrews is reminding the people to look back over God's faithfulness as the way to look forward to trust that God will be faithful. That faith can be the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We want proofs. We want evidence. We want confirmation. But God invites us to look back. One of the best things we can do when we run spiritually stuck is to not just try to, to, to push harder for an answer, but to stop and look back and what ways has God been faithful to you? Thinking of the times when you have been in a time of need and God was with you. Thinking of the worst trials in life that you faced and you recognize that God put the right people around you at the right time for the right reason to lead and guide you, even if you didn't appreciate it at the time. Faith does not mean the absence of fear, but it is the conviction that we know that God will be with us even as we face that which we are most afraid of, that which we are most stressed out by, even as we stare down the face of the greatest trials that will face us. A few months ago, if I would have done the same exercise that I had you do with 30 seconds of silence, I can tell you that our capital campaign and building project was immediately where my mind would get distracted to because it was the most stressful thing that I could think of. Now, some of that was actually very selfish on my part, and I'll admit that to you. My stress and anxiety was not just because of you. It was about me because I started to go to the worst-case scenarios. Like, what if we step out in faith to do this campaign, and it just falls flat on its face? And I thought, well, then the people of North Holland are going to think that I'm an idiot, and they're going to cease to like me, and then I'm going to be known for the rest of my career as Reverend Stephen DeVries, pastor of failed building projects. And that terrified me. But I can tell you that it was selfish on my part. Because all I was thinking about in that moment was how this would affect me. There was no bigger picture of how this would implicate and bring all of us together. And there was not the faith of looking forward, of thinking how this space can change and enhance the ministry that we have, and that the space can be used to transform people's lives, that lives will be changed by the welcoming and invitation and hospitality that we can offer. I could only think about me, nothing else. And I couldn't look back with enough clarity 
to have the assurance to move forward. There's signs of God's past faithfulness that have given me assurance and confidence in how we move forward. One of the obvious ones is when Caitlin and I first came here in 2011 and I started here as an intern. I heard people telling the story of, okay, well, what about North Holland? Tell me a little bit more about the place. And one thing that came up often was, in 1989, we flipped the whole church around. It was this ridiculous, crazy idea, and we did it. And it brought people together. It brought people around common tasks. It's spoken of well here. It's a sign of God's faithfulness and ingenuity that was executed well. When I was an intern the first Building Vision Task Force report was presented at consistory. And I was in that consistory meeting. And at that point, I had no concept of still being here after seminary was over. And yet God whispered and nudged and said, pay attention to this conversation. And so I listened and thought it was all quite interesting. But it was actually the meeting after the meeting where the most assurance happened. We all know what this is, the meeting after the meeting after we adjourn with prayer or, or hit the gavel, and then everyone talks longer afterwards in the parking lot or in a hallway, that's where a lot of the meeting happens. And I thought as an intern, my best option would be to keep you know, listening into the meeting after the meeting. I also felt kind of awkward about it. So in my mind, I was just kind of like standing around people looking like this. Like, I'm just here to listen to your conversations. But I learned things. And the moment of whispering that I heard was between an older and a younger member of the congregation. And the younger said to the older, I don't know about this. Keep in mind, this was in 2011, five years ago. I don't know about this. I don't know if this is a good idea. I don't know what it'll do for our church. And it was the older who had seen signs of God's faithfulness in the last project who said to the younger, I do know about this. I saw what happened last time, that people gathered together. God brought us together around a common task and purpose. People got to know each other who they didn't know before by working together with others. It was unifying, and it was good. It was the assurance of one who could look back, not championing the past, not trying to live into the past or live into some previous glory days, but those who could look back and tell the stories of the past of God's faithfulness as the assurance and hope and confidence that God would be faithful in the future. We, as a congregation, need to do that for one another, to be able to look back together, to be able to look forward, even in times where we want confirmation more than to have to live by faith. There's, don't get me wrong, it would be great if if $2 million just showed up overnight That would be amazing, right? But part of why we want that is so that we don't have to live in the tension, so that we don't have to worry about anything, that we can just have easy confirmation of next steps and to not have to step out in faith in any way. Now, it would be great to receive those signs of confirmation, but faith is knowing that if God has confirmed before, God will continue to give us signposts along the way in the future. We don't just get easy confirmation or turn right in 400 feet. But we do have faith. But the substance of our faith is God's faithfulness. 
prayerful attentiveness to how God has been at work in our lives and in this church before. Here at North Holland, we have a rich display of that. It's on the bulletin board in the back. It's in the story of our sesquicentennial, our 150-year anniversary. It's in the stories of those who have been here for quite some time that can share how God has been faithful. God gave us a past full of his faithfulness. And it's about God's faithfulness as the substance of our faith. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. Some of you, if you have a different translation, it will say faith is conviction in what we hope for. The word in Greek is hypostasis. And it does mean assurance or confidence. But in its most basic form, it means substance or stuff. What if we read it as faith is the stuff of what we hope for? Faith is the substance in which we put our hope. And then continue to read Hebrews 11, that the stories of God's faithfulness were the stuff of which we put our hope in. Faith that God will provide. Faith that God will use our endeavors and our faithful responses and stewardship and sacrifice and commitment to change people's lives. Because the substance of our faith is not how confident we feel at any given moment, but the substance of our faith is God's faithfulness. Unwavering faithfulness. And so whatever trial we face whatever valley we find ourselves in the middle of. Hupostasis, the stuff in which we put our faith, is God's faithfulness. Breaking that word down just one step further, it comes from hupo and istemi, which means to stand. Faith is where we choose to stand. Where in the face of all, in the face of all adversity, in the face of all doubt, in the face of every trial and temptation and distraction that we face, is where we choose to stand and say, I could stand here all day because I know the stuff, the substance, where I'm putting my confidence. And we find that first by looking back. We look to the cross as the center point of God's faithfulness and his assurance that he has been with us and will be with us. My friends, if we're going to reach out to the future, if we're going to step out in faith, what we need to do more than anything else for one another is to give assurance and to tell the story of God's faithfulness as the sure way forward that God will continue to be faithful. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. God, you have given us a written history of your faithfulness. And your faithfulness was shown and demonstrated even when we were not faithful. We have been given this record of your faithfulness as a reminder and an assurance that you will continue to be faithful. 
God, we confess that we sometimes forget that you have been so active in our lives that you have provided for us. Help us to remember the signs of your faithfulness even in our own lives as the assurance to go up against even something oh so new and unsettling. Help us to trust in you, to believe in signs of your faithfulness, and to put our faith, our assurance, and our trust in the very stuff and substance of your faithfulness, that with you we can stand. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.